Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join guest minister Rob Hunt for today's message. I have a verse that uh, the Lord has laid upon my heart to share here, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. I'm going to go ahead and read that. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, that he that does the will of God abideth forever. <clears throat> Funny story here. My, uh, my kids that are getting older, they, uh, <laughs> they're getting to the age where maybe it might be worth considering having a pet in the house. And if people were to ask me, are you a dog person or are you a cat person, I'd tell them I'm a plant person. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I love pets. I just love other people's pets, okay? I <laughs> but they, they talked me into uh, getting a, a uh, hamster. It's a hamster. Uh, it look, basically, it looks like a little mouse in there, a little rodent. So, but it's cute, you know. And uh, we... We get this thing, it's, they're very low maintenance, they're great, but we got this squirrel cage for it. You know, those things that they get in, they just go around and around and around, and they keep on going, and, and we had to oil the, the thing because it would just squeak so much, because that thing just kept on going all through the night and through the day. And uh, I turned to Liz at one point, and I said, you know, that's how life could be. Some people feel that way, that life is exactly that way for them. You know, I know I've been there. Eat, sleep, work, get up, do the whole thing again. Where, where's the rubber meeting the road? I believe God wants the rubber to meet the road in our lives. Amen? Amen. And that's what this scripture here is talking about here. He says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. He lists off. Now, be careful there. There's a, there's a difference. I want to make sure that this is, this is plain here, that for God so loved the world, okay, the people in the world. So when he says, love not the world, he's not talking about the people of the world. He's talking about the world system. He's talking about mammon. He's talking about the flesh. He's talking about the, the, the world's way of doing things. And that's explained pretty clearly here when he says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These things could be summed up with the words passion, possessions, position. These are the things that the world seeks after. And first off, that's a pretty broad blanket. I'm, I'm grateful for God's grace, amen, <laughs> that is spread out over that description. Because we're living in the world, we're not of the world, but we've got to rely on God's, on God's mercy and on His grace. But He says these things are of the world. Not only will they bring disappointment, they'll bring bondage, and even eventually lead to death. But here's the problem with these things. They're passing away. The world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. This world is passing away. Do you know it's all going to burn? Let me ask you this. A million years from now, what's going to matter here amongst you? 
and all these people, will this room, will this building matter? Will the hard time that you had with your car not starting earlier this week, will that matter a million years from now? We'll be here a million years from now. We'll all be here. Not here, but I mean, we'll all be around. What's going to matter then? All of us in this room are going to be here. I'm telling you this, it's the relationships that move on, that go on from here. It's the relationships. It's people. There's a reason why when we get saved, we don't just immediately go to be with Jesus. He keeps us here on this earth because we are... We're here to be a light. We're here to form relationships, shine our light among men, to be his hands and his feet, to do his works. And he gave us his spirit to do that. Amen? Amen. We're here for people, relationships. It's like that parable that Jesus Jesus spoke. He said... um, of the shrewd manager. There was a manager, Jesus gave this, uh, this parable of a shrewd manager where this boss, his boss basically called him up and said, all right, you're about to get canned, so set everything in order. And he goes, okay, well, what am I gonna do? I don't know. I gotta, uh, he, he gets all the books out and he calls all the people that is his boss and it's no skin off his back, it's his boss's money, not his. So he says, all right, you there, you owe me 200, make it 100. You there, you owe me 50, let's make that 25, Uh, all right. And they're all, thanks, great, this is great. And then he gets canned, and when he goes out amongst them, he's got all these favors, right, with people. And that's, the moral behind that parable that Jesus said is basically this, relationships, our relationships with people is the only thing that will carry over to the other side, Amen. Our relationships, people, it's the only thing that you could take with you. You never see a hearse with a U-Haul, I mean, with a U-Haul trailer attached. It's not he who dies with the most toys wins. It's each other. What can you take with you to the other life? You could take your kids. You could, take your, you could take the people around you. You could take the relationships. Those are the things you could take with you. That's right. That's good. Keep on sharing the gospel with them. Keep on pressing into relationships with them. Keep on practicing forgiveness with them. Keep on being Jesus in their lives. Yes. Amen? Yeah. These relationships are the things that are important. They go on forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. That's what's eternal. That's what's unending. God is love. And these relationships that we have, we're going to look back on someday and, and wonder why we were so bothered by other things here on this earth, in this life. Amen? The key to relationships is forgiveness. Anybody who's been in a deep relationship for any amount of time, you know, the deeper that you go, the more you need to become a master of forgiveness. Because we're people. We're people, we're fallen people, and we need God's love. 
And one thing that has hit me so incredibly hard is that you can't love other people with your own love. It's impossible for you to do that. You've got, you cannot love somebody until you know how much you have been loved. You can't forgive somebody until you know how much you have been forgiven. Only by tapping into God's love and knowing the depths of what he's done for us are we able to turn that around. That's, that's the love that we love other people with. By knowing God loves me. By knowing God loves me. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, God loves me. And he loves you too. And I'm pretty fond of you. God loves you. Have you gotten a hold of that? Have you grasped that? Because that's the love that you're going to use to love other people with. That great love. That's the only love that, could, that you could use to love your enemies. Is that God kind of love that loved us before, while we were yet sinners, before we had anything else going on? He reached down and he loved us. Turn to Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23. I'm just going to bring up real, real briefly here. Um, uh, stay there in Matthew, but I'm going to bring up a, one other scripture real quick in Jude. Chapter 4, <clears throat> it says this, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about turning the grace of God into an opportunity to sin. Now, what God's will is, is that his, good, his kindness leads to repentance. Amen? Yeah. That's his will. That's his best, and that's the system. Now, just because there's people that abuse the system doesn't mean that the system isn't God's will, and that's not his plan for coming through, having the breakthrough for the power to, amen? God's grace, I'm putting all my money on God's grace, Okay? Let's establish that right now. But just because there's people that abuse that doesn't mean that, that uh, all bets are off. Okay, well, quit relying on, on Jesus' blood so much. All right, start, start trying on your own efforts a little bit more because if, if we rely on grace a little bit too much, people are just going to start abusing it. Well, you know what? People, some people may abuse it. It doesn't make it any less a part of God's plan for you. And if you let it, it will come in and it will transform your life. Amen? Here's an example. The reason why I read that, that scripture here is because there's an example of somebody who, who turns mercy into an opportunity for sin. It was told in this parable by Jesus in Matthew 18, 23, the parable of the the man who was in debt way beyond what he could ever repay. And let me give you a little bit of background context to this here, okay? Because Jesus was uh, talking about forgiveness. And Peter, Peter says, okay, how, how often, how much, how many times should I forgive a man who has who wronged me? 
Lord, seven times? All the way up to seven times? And I think Peter was genuinely impressed with his own answer. He was, he was like, yeah. And Jesus goes, no, 70 times seven, Peter. I'm sure it was probably one of those sheepish moments that Peter, it wasn't the only time that he had a sheepish moment, but, you know, it's kind of like, uh, oh, okay, I imagine that going differently. I was a little more impressed with my answer, and instead, um, no, Peter, 70 times seven, okay? And Jesus says to him this parable, verse 23 here, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Uh, stop right there. I'd, I'd like to bring this into modern day uh, adjusting for inflation and currency conversion and get that figure to you in your head. A talent, depending on what type of uh, a talent it was, a talent of gold, a talent of silver, uh, it could have been anywhere from maybe a half a year's wages to several years wages. That's how much it was, 10,000 of those. We're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of between tens to hundreds of millions of dollars here, okay? Let's just say it was $50 million for, to, to scope it, okay? Get that in your mind. <clears throat> but, but verse 25 here now, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had See, back then, they didn't have bankruptcy. That's how it worked back then. You couldn't just declare bankruptcy and no easy way out, all right? The way it worked back then, you owed a bunch of stuff you couldn't pay. They're going to come and sell you, sell your wife, sell your kids, put you in jail, do whatever it takes. That's how it worked back then. Different times, all right? This guy, <clears throat> verse Verse 26, now the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Take note of that there. Lord, have patience with me. I will pay thee all. He didn't say, Lord, have mercy with me. There's nothing, I'm completely at your mercy. There's no way I could do it. No, he said, have patience with me. This is $50 million he's talking about. Have patience with me. I will pay thee all. That's kind of delusional. <laughs> Well-intentioned, but delusional, okay? The reason why I want to bring that up is because this might explain a little bit of why he, what he did a little later on to his fellow servant who owed him 50 bucks, okay? Because his heart was, <laughs> have patience with me. In other words, this guy didn't get it, all right? And that it kind of spells out delusional, but well-intentioned kind of spells out Pharisee, right? Doesn't it? Just doesn't get it. Like so impressed with the fact that I made a $50 payment, monthly payment on $50 million that I owe. You know? It's pointless, okay? I mean, it's, it's, good. You're, you're, it's a good deed, you know? It's good. But compared to how much you owed, hello, Hello? We got to get a grasp of that. 
Lord, have patience with me. I'll pay thee all. Verse 27, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, loosed him, forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, verse 28, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Again, a hundred pence adjusted for inflation and currency conversion is roughly somewhere in the $20 to $50 range, maybe somewhere in there. This is just ballpark, okay? But you get the idea. It's not much, all right? And that shows you, again, how delusional his, his claim, have patience with me, because if he was hard up just for $50, all right, he laid his hands on the servant, began to choke him, and he sent, and the guy pleaded for mercy with him the exact same way that he was that he himself pled for mercy. The servant fell down at his feet, besought him, saying, have patience with me, I'll pay thee all. But he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his, notice, cast him into prison. When his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt, because you desired me. Should not you have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you, and the Lord was wroth? And he delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay the amount that was due him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. The name of my sermon today, by the way, is... It's called the cycle of forgiveness. Go ahead and put the, the, the slide up there. Uh, you can see it has a recycling sign there because forgiveness is meant to be recycled, amen? Yeah. Forgiveness is something that you don't just take and you hold on to. It's something that you give away. You, you recycle it. You give it to other people. It's not something that we take lightly, that we... The uh, reason why I'm saying this is because there's... there's like in this parable, there's people that just don't get it. Somewhere between getting forgiven this huge debt and between collecting this debt from this other person, this guy lost track of how good and how merciful his master was to him. Somewhere in there, he lost track of that. And he refused to give that same, just the courtesy of $50. Several years ago, I was, uh, about three or four years ago, I was just starting to grasp a hold of this concept of grace. Now, normally people wouldn't take as long as they had in my life as I took to grasp a hold of grace, but you got to understand, I'm a recovering Pharisee, okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right? I'm a recovering Pharisee, and so, um, and I go to my support group every... <laughs> I, um, it, it was about three or four years ago that I had a, this, this is a little testimony time. I was having a, a frustrating moment with God where I was praying and saying, Lord, I just don't get it, um, the gospel. Um, everything that I had, maybe, maybe it wasn't the problem with the way that the gospel was preached to me. Maybe it was me that just perceived it wrong, but I, my perception of the way that the gospel was, was it's something that you've got to earn. You've got to try your best. 
just like the law. You try your best, and where you fall short, that's what the blood of Jesus is for. And, you know, God is just sitting there. When you mess up, God is sitting there, okay, well, you could have some blood this time, but you better get it right next time. You could apply the blood, you know. It's up to you. This blood is only there as a plan B, all right, to cover it over. And I was like, God, what's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant? I don't see it. I don't see any difference. The old covenant is you try your best, and if you don't make it, you're cursed, and you need the blood of goats. See, they, they knew they couldn't fulfill the law back then, too. That's why they had the blood of goats to do it. And under the new covenant, you try your best, you try your hardest, and when you mess up, you have the blood of Jesus. That's really the only difference that I saw. I was like, God, could this be the only difference? Is that animals are no longer done, now it's Jesus? So basically the whole message behind why Jesus came was to save the animals. Now, again, I like animals, okay? <laughs> More of a plant person, but no, I like animals. Um, but I remember having this, this prayer time. I, I don't get it. What's the difference? Old covenant, new covenant, where is it? And, and Pastor Paul here happened to be preaching this, this uh, series called The Gospel. Uh, and Pastor Dana was saying, you know, please pray for Paul because he's going to start preaching the gospel. And you know, when you preach the gospel, you know what happens. The devil don't like it. The devil don't like it. And uh, he goes up and he puts a book in my hand um, by a, a certain individual who, uh, oh, I'll just go ahead and say his name, Joseph Prince, um, that explains very clearly what the gospel of, of grace is and what the concept of it is, that Jesus is not just your plan B, that it is not try your best under the law and he only makes up the difference. It's all Jesus. It is 100% Jesus. He is your righteousness, completely, 100%, totally, your righteousness. That's your identity. That's where you stand. This other stuff you trying, now there's nothing wrong with, with you trying, but you trying to be righteous and earn your, your acceptance before God is a little bit like making a $50 payment on $50 million. You, in other words, ludicrous. You just don't get it. And that's the first thing about the, the gospel of grace is you need to realize just how much. You see, before you could understand grace, you need to understand the law. You need to have a proper understanding of the law and why we need God's grace so badly. There is none righteous, not even one. And our efforts, our, our, our efforts at, at trying to be good are like filthy rags compared to what Jesus did for us and the blood. The blood he shed was enough. Right. 
when you think there's something that I could do to add to that, it's laughable. It was enough. The blood that he shed was enough. So we need to get a good, a, a, a good grasp on that. A grasp on the fact, a realization that, that once, you, once you fully comprehend how sinful we are, forgiving other people, loving other people becomes easy. Okay? Once you realize the debt that you've been forgiven. Pastor Dana preached this one time. Four points here, she said. I'm just going to give these to you. I'm going to throw these out there for you, okay? Without God, we are nothing. Galatians 6.3 <clears throat> says, If any man thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Without God, we know nothing. 1 Corinthians 8.2 Without God, we have nothing. I think that's obvious. I'll put the whole Bible in for that. Okay. <laughs> Without God, we can do nothing. John 5.30, Jesus said, Jesus says, um, by myself, I could do nothing. As the Father guides me and directs me, that's, that's what I do. You see, without God, without what he did for us on the cross, we are nothing. We have nothing. We need him. We need to get a hold of that, of what he did for us first, before we can move on to loving one another. See, one of the things that, <clears throat> one of the things I, I, I found interesting about the, uh, the parables that Jesus told, many of them that involved money, uh, that money symbolized forgiveness. You get what I'm saying with that? When he said, hey, uh, forgive him much, you'll love much. Forget one guy was forgiven 500, another guy was forgiven 50. Which one loved more? Well, the one forgiven 500, right? There's many times in Jesus' parable where he talks about uh, money, and that money is a symbol of forgiveness, even in this parable we just read. So when you plug that in, there's, there's, there's one parable in particular that I never quite understood, the parable of the talents where the master gives one ten and one five and one one, and he goes on a journey, comes back. And typically the, the, the allegory that is given there is that talents means, you know, the, the literal English word for talent. We know that it's a money term, but it's like, yeah, but it's also, it can mean like your talents, your gifts that God is giving. So this one guy took 10 gifts or talents, and he made 10 more talents, and uh, I'm not knocking that, uh, but look at it, just take a step back and look at it from the aspect of forgiveness, okay? These people were, both, they were all given forgiveness, and it's not necessarily the amount that they were forgiven, but did you notice that the people who got more forgiveness did the right thing with it? They knew to take that forgiveness and to multiply it, to take it and recycle it. They knew to take it and to invest it into other people, into relationships, to use what their master had given them as a, as a tool to, to invest into the lives of others. And then there was that last servant that came back sheepishly and said, 
Lord, I didn't do anything with it. I knew that you were a rough man, reaping where you have not sowed. You're a meanie. You're, you're a businessman. Yeah, God does, he does reap where he doesn't sow, amen? That's what forgiveness is about. Anyway, this, this uh, master said to him, hey, you knew all these things. Why couldn't you at least do the bare minimum with them? You took forgiveness and you did nothing with it. You buried it. You didn't show the world proudly how much you'd been forgiven, how much you'd been given. It's our time to realize what the score is, amen? You know, it's no coincidence that, uh, you know, when we're, when we're talking about the, the great depth that God has forgiven us, it's no coincidence that the book of Job, the very first book written in the Bible, uh, chronologically, of course, not Genesis is the first, but chronologically, the very first book written in the Bible was the book of Job. The very first book in the Bible was this book about a man who suffered intensely. He suffered greatly, and his attitude throughout the whole time was, you know, first off, I want to mention this. It's almost like the Bible is establishing right away that no matter how good you think you are, you deserve hell. Can I be blunt? Okay? No matter how, I mean, there's, there's nothing that Job got that he didn't deserve because he's a fallen being. He was the best of the best of fallen beings, but he's still a fallen being. His debt is still 50 million compared to, you know, what he could pay. Okay? And anything that, that God could have done would have been justified. That, now, we know it, it was the devil that, that had his heyday with him. But you know what? In all of that, his attitude was still, look, I don't care what happens. Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. And we see the end of, of Job, that God blessed him and brought him out of that. But you know, that's somebody who saw the mercy of God and he didn't take it for granted. Like other people who receive the mercy of God and use it for lasciviousness as an opportunity to sin that don't realize God's goodness just in the fact that we're living and we're breathing. You know what? If God never did a single thing for you ever again, you'd still have no reason to complain. with what he's already done for you? Complaining? Whenever we complain and we feel like a victim, you know that the devil is doing his best work right there. I believe it's Joyce Myers that I'm quoting. <laughs> There's no reason ever to complain about anything. Whatever you're going through in life, it's better than what you deserve. See, I used to get so stuck up on that, so as a Pharisee, back when I was a Pharisee, 
I used to get so stuck on it because I'm like, God, but I tried so hard. I tried so hard. And so you got to give me, you got to give me, uh, why are bad things happening? Or, the, you know, because I tried so, my efforts are not paying off. You're not giving me what I deserve. I'd get all bitter at God. Anybody ever been there before? Am I the only one? Uh, okay. Get all bitter at God and bent out of shape because you think he's not keeping up his end of the deal. I paid my $50 monthly payment to that $50 million that I... <laughs> I we're so impressed by what we do. See, that's, it. that's just it. We're, we trust more in our good deeds and our efforts at making us right before God than in what Jesus did to make us right before God, than in his blood, in his mercy that he shed for us. That is what we need to, to strive for. That's the work that we need to do. I'm into works. Jesus said, this is the work that you believe on Jesus. That's the work. That's what we need to contend earnestly for is the faith. He says, contend earnestly for the faith. You want to work towards something? Work towards putting your faith in what Jesus did. That could be work. That could be hard to do. That's good work, though. Amen? Work to put yourself, transform yourself by the renewing of your mind that you might know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that you're standing on that. Amen? Yes. Stand on that. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.